From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Robert, thank you very much. It's me, Mike Davidson. This is Mike Davidson Lives. Thanks for downloading this latest edition of the podcast. Hope you all had a great Easter one and all. Ours, pretty low-key. I made mention last podcast that we were going to go down to my parents' house uh, this weekend. That did not happen because uh, late Friday night, I got off work, and my wife uh, thought our oldest, Lana, had pink eye. Turns out it's either an allergy or cold, but, it, but like her eyes were really watery, and it was hard for her to see at times. But uh, doctor said Saturday morning, no, her, her eyes are probably uh, like that because of all the uh, pollen, allergens, all that good stuff in the air. It was kind of funny, though, because uh, I took her to the doctor's appointment, and I was telling the doctor on duty that uh, her younger brother, Logan, was just getting over that ear infection and the doctor asked Lana well do your ears hurt and she goes well sometimes when my brother yells screams and cries and uh, he, uh, not too far from the truth there but after that you know went out for coffee got her hot chocolate and a brownie she was good to go and then Easter afternoon wife gets off work and uh, the kids go hunting for eggs around the house got some little plush animals got some candy. It was, it, was, it was fun. It was fun. Um, someone who's not having fun, uh, Taylor Swift, or maybe she is. Maybe life's gotten better. I don't know. Um, it was announced this weekend because the world stops on her convenience um, that her and her former boyfriend, Joe Alwood, I know, uh, they, they called it quits. Six years. Of course, she's a big pop star. He's an actor that's been in things i guess um but uh, you know the swifties are going to have a meltdown because here come the old uh, oh she broke up again jokes and they'll they'll make that into some sort of rape joke or something i don't know that by and large taylor swift fans are humorless but uh, you know i was reading more about this um taylor swift i guess has a song called lavender haze that came out uh frick back in september and it was about her love of Joe Alwyn and saying how, you know, you just felt like she was in the haze and how this was like a term from the 50s and that's how she felt around this dude. And then months later, the, after making this song about him, they're done. Uh, it says it's, it's an amicable split. But I want you to keep in mind what I'm talking about here. A lot of girls, um, especially younger ones, uh, look up to Taylor Swift and see themselves as her. What they need to realize is, yeah, I mean, Taylor Swift is an actual human being, but what you're being presented with in albums and at concerts is a brand. It's a brand. And I, I kind of feel this way about uh, the relationship here. Um, it's it's not kind of like this Paul Newman, uh, Joan Woodard, Woodward thing where... You know, they're together for like 50 odd years and they both die. Uh, it's just, okay, this is Taylor Swift and that's her latest boy and now she's single. And here comes the next album. So, keep that in mind. Alright, uh, Masters this past weekend wrapped up. Uh, didn't really watch it because I was, you know, busy with other things. John Rom wins his first green jacket. Congrats to him. Tiger Woods bowed out early today. Um, and I saw a picture of him. And 
granted uh, he's been at this for a long time but he's in his uh, upper 40s now late 40s upper 40s so late 40s. he just he just looks weathered and beat like uh, he's he's expecting to throw another girlfriend out of the mansion or something it just I'm wondering when he just calls it quits and he sits back and counts all the money because despite all the infidelity and despite all the uh, the bad press and despite all the injuries and car wrecks. I mean, he still has a good chunk of cash. When's he going to call it quits? I mean, what does he have left to prove? That's the question I have. Um, one thing that has proven yet again that people will go out to movie theaters and watch movies is uh, Super Mario Brothers. It is a huge success from the guys that gave you uh, Despicable Me and the, uh, the Minions and all that stuff. Uh, it has just kicked ass at the box office this past Easter weekend, uh, pulling in about 204.6 million domestically, uh, 377 million globally. So this thing could be well on its way to generating a billion damn dollars. Let me tell you how successful this is. It is the most successful opening for an animated movie of all time. All time. Yeah, I, they were projecting that it was only going to. It was going to fall to Incredibles 2 a little bit. And I love the Incredibles movies. That was, that was back in the day when you know Disney made good stuff. Uh, which wasn't too long ago, actually. Um, but it just it, it surged past it. Uh, it made more money than uh, Frozen. Elsa and Anna uh, getting blown away by Mario and Luigi. Which just goes to show you, well, a few things. Uh, one, not as many people hate Chris Pratt as... Uh, some in entertainment media would have you believe. <laughs> I don't get the hate for John uh, for uh, uh, Chris Pratt either. Uh, two, nobody is listening to John Leguizamo wringing his hands about how there isn't somebody of Latino heritage uh, in the role and that uh, diversity is a problem. And by the way, if you uh, take a look at the cast, I believe the act uh, the actress that plays Princess Peach is from Argentina, and then you got one of the guys from uh, uh, Key and Peel. In there playing Toad. Uh, Diversity is not a problem with the cast here, John. Uh, John's still bitter because he played Luigi in the original one. Uh, the original one sucked terribly, and he felt feels like that was a breakthrough character for him. Even though John Leguizamo has done better movies than the Mario Brothers. It, the original one. And by the way, he and Bob Hoskins, who were in the original, both knew that movie sucked on set they knew it sucked and they made it a point to get drunk every day after shooting because it was that bad they would just hang out and get drunk together i don't blame bob or john for doing that but i think john Leguizamo's just gotta let go of that so to speak because i mean he's, he's done other things he's he's been successful at other things which brings me to disney again this is money that disney needs to be making and they're not with their animated features. Um, and, and Mario, of course, is an intellectual property of Nintendo, well-established. And this is the first time, really, that somebody has done a video game movie that people really want to go out and see. <laughs> in that the numbers back it up. And this is up there with uh, your Top Gun Mavericks. This is up there with your Avatar 2s. Uh, it's an intellectual property that proves, once again, that people will go to the movies and maybe just maybe streaming every damn movie that comes out uh, weeks after the release or just releasing it on a streaming platform isn't the smartest thing to do. 
But uh, Mario making a lot of money, and uh, I guess there's a cutscene at the end that uh, suggests that there's going to be a sequel. No, the, the box office pretty much guarantees there's going to be a Super Mario 2. Uh, but kudos to that studio, uh, Illumination, for doing very well. Uh, over the weekend also, Star Wars, the Lucasfilm, trying to get people to care again. And this comes off the heels of that latest episode of The Mandalorian, which is... Uh, terrible. Uh, they they released the trailer for uh, Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny, and they're saying this is going to be the longest Indiana Jones film ever, uh, like two and a half hours long. Um, no, um, I'm done trying to make that relevant again. Trying, I have no interest in seeing Dial of Destiny at the theaters um, at all. I don't care how much de aging you do with Harrison Ford. Yeah. Uh, the best ending for that movie franchise was The Last Crusade when they actually when he literally rides off into the sunset with his friends. No better way of doing that. They tried to uh, do something with Kingdom of Crystal, Crystal Skull, and by they I mean Spielberg and Lucas. They failed at it, and I feel Disney's going to fail at that as well. Uh, and then they announced uh, that there will be more Star Wars movies, more Star Wars shows, because they're doing so well with those, and... Uh, Ray is coming back. Ray Skywalker, uh, Daisy Ridley's character from the sequel trilogy that nobody liked. She's going to uh, come back, and uh, the movie she's going to star in takes place 15 years after Episode Nine, and she is going to rebuild the Jedi Order. Which just if if you're a Star Wars fan. You know that the original trilogy was the uh, story of Luke Skywalker and the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. That's what you grew up with. And you just assumed at the end of this, uh, uh, Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker, his sister Leia, they were going to take care of things. But then uh, you know, the sequel trilogy happened and uh, all of your favorite characters from the original were corrupt as hell and um, bad. And so Ridley, being a superwoman... Uh, Ray, Ray Palpatine, by the way, she's the uh, daughter or granddaughter of the Emperor, but she took on the Skywalker name. Uh, she's going to set things right. Okay, whatever. Uh, have fun with that. You're not going to touch the original Star Wars box office or magic whatsoever. And uh, uh, kind of uh, building off that a little bit, Mandalorian Season 3, utter shit. Terrible. Um... And uh, I guess the internet is divided or something about uh, the uh, Lizzo, Jack Black uh, cameos or uh, appearances on the latest episode. Um, but uh, the showrunners, the producers are, are basically saying, well, you know, we really don't have a main character anymore. Uh, you know, this could be about any of the Mandalorians, but it's basically going to shift from uh, Pedro Pascal's character to uh, Bo-Katan. And I can't be bothered with that because... It's not who should be the star of The Mandalorian. It should be Mando. It should be Baby Yoda. That's it. That's all. Um, but uh, they can't get a simple space western right, so they're going to F with that. And uh, I'll be surprised if it lasts more than four seasons. They're, they're probably going to have a season four, but uh, it looks like Pedro Pascal's character is kind of on the way out because he's doing the zombie show on HBO. Alright, uh, speaking of things that are just not being grasped by producers and everything, 
Uh, Rings of Power, the alleged uh, J.R.R. Tolkien uh, property that Amazon Prime had, and of course, uh, rumored to have spent a billion damn dollars on, it looks like it kind of bombed a little bit. Uh, first season, eight episodes, uh, according to some analytics, only 37% of the audience that started the show finished the show. That's just a little over a third of the audience. And a lot of complaints about how uh, it's just long, it's boring, and it bears no resemblance whatsoever to anything J.R.R. Tolkien. Nothing uh, Lord of the Rings-esque. Just kind of crammed everything in. And of course, uh, there's been the accusations of being woke. I think the strangest thing I've read, and I do have this linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. The strangest thing I have read was that uh, it was written by AI. That's the rumor. I don't know how much of that I buy into. Uh, they're saying that's why the dialogue is so clunky. But if you watch anything, and again, I'm, I know I'm jumping from Amazon to Disney here, but if you watched anything lately from Disney, they have a whole room full of writers that can't put together decent dialogue or decent plot devices or anything like that. Uh, so, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of the complaints about Lord, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings light here is that uh, a lot of coincidences, no shocks, nothing uh, amazing about it. Only a third, only a third finished. And I can only imagine that it did nothing to bring in new viewers. And again, this has been something I've been hammering home when I talk about uh, streaming platforms. They bank all of their uh, money on this one show, this one movie that's just going to bring in tons of people to watch uh, one, you know, bring in subscribers. But in this economy, that's impossible. And we have so many streaming platforms right now, the audience is always going to be divided. You're not going to make that bank you think you are. And so... Uh, that's what they're struggling with. And there's going to be a season two to this. I think they have uh, three three seasons overall lined up to happen with Rings of Power. And this was their first season, and there was no home run. There was no wow. <sighs> yeah. So they screwed the pooch up on that. And by the way, uh, somebody, uh, somebody was trying to uh, dog me for dogging Bud Light a little bit. Get to that here in a little bit. Um, by showing me some graph from Rolling Stone saying, well, you know, there's no such thing as companies losing money because they're woke. Well, I can't really say that Disney or Amazon Prime are making a lot of money or generating new revenue with the shows and the movies they're putting out right now. So your your uh, analytics there are a little flawed. Okay, so getting to this Bud Light thing, and I touched upon it last podcast. The uh, Dylan Mulvaney uh, situation, as we'll call it. Uh, the transgendered actress uh, slash theater kid. And that's the thing, too, is uh, even if Dylan Mulvaney wasn't transgendered, uh, the theater background, being a theater kid, if you went to high school and knew theater kids, you know how, well, theatrical they can be. And, and I'm not saying gay or straight. It doesn't matter if they're gay or straight. It just, if they were in theater, they had to let you know that they were theatrical. 
in the way they presented themselves. Everything was dramatic or goofy. So it, it kind of explains Dylan Mulvaney a little bit, but uh, Dylan became, so to speak, the face of Bud Light. Not an, an official advertising model, so to speak, but uh, they, along with Nike, decided to partner up on a few things, and uh, they gave Dylan Mulvaney some commemorative cans with Dylan's face on them, and Dylan shot this commercial in a bubble bath, and it went viral, and the typical Bud Light drinker said, well, what the hell's this, and uh, there's been a whole fracas about it. Um, and it's gone back and forth. People were like, what's the big deal? Bud Light's done things for Pride Month and all this other stuff and uh, going back and forth. Well, the thing is, is that Dylan Mulvaney is a bit of a hot topic issue because Dylan chooses to be a hot topic issue. Dylan is a social media influencer. That's that's what uh, you know comes with the territory. So uh, when they see this person... Uh, who's uh, chosen what some would term a uh, con controversial lifestyle uh, with all this beer in a bubble bath. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit of fallout. But what I find interesting is this been this past week. I mean, Bud Light had to put out a PR, uh, a press release saying this was not an advertising thing. This was not an advertising campaign. It was just something commemorative. There was never meant to go out on the market. They're not selling Dylan Mulvaney cans, but, uh, well, it went viral, so you have to live with that now, Bud Light. Um, but since March 30th, April 1st, Bud Light's social media platforms on Facebook, uh, their accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter have been silent. Not a peep, and it's kind of weird considering we just got done with uh, the Final Four you just got done with the Masters, and you know, hey, people drink beer while watching golf. Did you know that? Yeah, I, I read a blog about that myself. Uh, radio silence, nothing. In fact, they uh, launched a. Uh, they're trying to launch a campaign about uh, how many beers you can carry. And if you've seen that commercial that Bud Light did with that that really hot girl in the uh, the black leather jacket, carrying a bunch of beer at, in a crowded bar, notorious Big's hypnotizes playing and at the end she kind of winks at the camera i i do love that commercial but that's been overshadowed by uh, this whole dylan mulvaney thing and the thing is is bud light anheuser-busch they didn't have to do a damn thing with dylan mulvaney because uh the crowd they're reaching out to the young hip uh, progressive crowd if they want to drink bud light they would have drank bud light and uh the uh the crowd that uh does drink Bud Light, might see this as, hey, you're giving us the finger, and they move on and drink something else. And you can chastise them all they want, but they're the ones that are voting with their money. It's a little too uh, soon to say how this will affect the bottom line for Bud Light, but uh, or Anheuser Bush. but you don't piss off your P1s, your primary audience, just to, you know, appease somebody else. And I was that's been kind of the thing with Disney and Amazon Plus. And it goes into beer. So that's what Bud Light did when they screwed up. Now let me tell you how Kid Rock screwed up. Because, you know, he with me, I'm more of a smartass. And I just, or I point out something. I, I, anymore, it's hard for me to get super pissed about something. I mean, this, I'm, I, don't, I can't really say I'm super pissed about it. It's been a bit since I've drank Bud Light because I'm not in college. And, you know, I actually like real beer. 
But Kid Rock, I guess, went viral with that stupid video of him shooting off an AR-15 at a bunch of cans saying F Bud Light and all that stuff, have a great day or whatever. And, of course, everybody's talking about how he's just an angry guy yelling at a cloud because of that. What Kid Rock should have done, because I had to do a little research, and I said to myself, well, you know, Kid Rock's kind of a redneck type of dude. He's got to have his own booze. I mean, he has that bar down in Nashville. He's got to have his own brand of this, that, and, of course, he's got to have beer. And I guess back in 2009, he got into a little fracas with Anheuser-Busch. Imagine that. Uh, because he was upset that I think the Germans bought him out. And uh, so he relaunched his own beer, Badass American Lager. Now, if he was a smart dude and had a bit of a, a, a satirical side to him, he would have done a viral video where he basically lampooned the Dylan Mulvaney bubble bath viral video and just have him have him sitting in the bathtub, slinging beer, enjoying it, and at the end of it, man, you just have a big bubble pop up in the middle of the bathtub because, you know, Kid Rock, you know, rips ass and, you know, beer makes you gassy. And, you know, you promote your beer that way, Badass American Lager. It's, uh, it's a little smarter than um, just shooting off a can, uh, a gun of a bunch of cans because uh, it really doesn't do anything. Uh, it's really nothing to the conversation. My two cents. All right. Uh, so we go from Angry Kid Rock to Angry Members of Motley Crue. <laughs> uh, you know how uh, they're hitting the road again this year with Def Leppard and I think poison uh because you know they i guess they had a blast on the road last year but uh, uh nick mars of course getting older and he had dealing with some physical issues of himself uh he's been sidelined and uh they're going to go with john five as their lead guitarist and john five is an amazing guitarist and you figure okay this is an amicable thing well apparently no it's not because lawsuits and accusations are now flying nick mars uh accusing the band of not only pushing them off to the side um but I guess in uh, the last performances they did together, uh, Mick was the only one that was doing his stuff live. Whereas guys like um, uh, Nikki Six and uh, everybody else was using pre-recorded tracks to sound live. And I'm thinking, God, as badly as uh, Vince Neil sounds and flubs his lyrics, can you imagine him recording that in lip syncing? Um. Uh, somebody pointed out that uh, Tommy Lee has to be hitting uh, the drums for real because how do you how do you fake doing that? And I'm like, well, you know, Tommy's got to hit something right. But uh, they're they're uh, accusing each other of this and that, and uh, Nikki Six is fired back. And I guess Nikki Six has like a commemorative tattoo in honor of Mick Mars. It kind it, it kind of goes again with that whole thing I was talking about with uh, Taylor Swift's relationship thing. It's it's basically just a brand, and Motley Crue as a brotherhood, not really all that much. I, these guys can't stand each other, and um, they they do it because they make money. I mean, they're just business partners, and this is one business partner getting screwed over by a bunch of other guys. And it's just a little, it's a little different from your typical Wall Street thing because instead of a suit and tie, everybody's wearing leather and mascara. Uh, so Mick Mars upset about being pushed off to the sidelines. I can't really blame him, but at the same time, man, I mean, it's getting harder for him to, you know, pluck at strings with what he's dealing with. You know, I guess it's like a really f severe form of arthritis he's got. 
All right, uh, Motley Crue, of course, a band that's uh, known for bad taste. WWE also known for bad taste. Uh, there was a, a recent rivalry with WrestleMania, uh, Rey Mysterio and Dominic, and I guess one of the two. I think Dominic has been in prison. At least his character was in prison, and during a promo video, uh, pictures of Auschwitz uh, were put into it, and of course, there's been a big backlash because you know it's it's a sensitive thing that holocaust you know where millions and millions of people died and um for the wwe to incorporate that just one image of that into a storyline seems a bit tasteless um i'm hoping now that um some cash has been injected to the wwe thanks to the ufc maybe those people can go and get you know history books and go oh yeah we, we probably shouldn't be using uh, uh, the Holocaust to be promoting wrestling matches and stuff. Like, the, the thing is, too, is I know that it's been a while since I've watched pro wrestling, but the WWE's never really been known for you know, being tasteful, at least uh, from the late 90s onward. I know that they uh, toned it down quite a bit in recent years because I know Linda McMahon um, tried running for, uh, I think, Senate, something like that. And so they've toned that down just a smidge. It's kind of surprising to see that in there. But, I mean, th this is a company, too, that's dealt with um, burying people alive. Um, uh, necrophilia was, I guess, uh, something used in one storyline. I'm not going to research that. If you want to, go ahead. Probably don't do that on work computers. But, I mean, this should not shock anybody that the WWE has done this. Um, which might be the reason why they've been bought out. And, um, uh, yeah, they're, they're just kind of grasping at straws now to, to be relevant. Um, kind of, kind of a sad state of affairs with that company. All right. Um, so going back from pro wrestling to music, uh, I'll be missing you. Sampled, uh, Sting, uh, Police, everything, every breath you take. Uh, back in the late 90s, I think it was 1997, uh, Puff Daddy, now P, P. Diddy, now Diddy, um, he sampled that and uh, made a lot of money. Sting was mad, and of course they worked some stuff out. And the rumor around the campfire was that um, uh, Sting was getting $2,000 a day from that song, from the royalties from that song. Diddy went to Twitter and said, no, $5,000. Peace and love or something. I don't know. He, he did like the, the heart uh, emoji. And everybody thought Diddy was being serious. And he had to go back out on Twitter and goes, no, man, I'm just joking. I mean, Sting does get a good chunk of money, but he doesn't get that much. You know, and I guess, you know, he and Sting have buried the hatchet, especially now that, you know, Sting's getting paid. But Diddy, you know, me too. I mean, I, I, there are times where I try to do the deadpan, sarcastic thing on the internet and it just doesn't work out. But it's... Again, very it amazes me, and yet it doesn't. How like something like that can just spread, not through like um, uh, your infowar uh, misinformation type of sites, but from uh, your your mainstream media sites that uh, claim to do all the fact checking. I mean, Diddy went on the uh, Twitter Friday night to say no, this is not what's going on, and cleared the air. And then today, I'm still seeing like news organizations Sunday running uh, this. Oh yeah, Sting totally gets five thousand dollars for ever, uh, for uh, I'll be missing you. Uh, there's just there's just no 
five W's, the occasional how with these people. There's just, they don't hit the brakes. Journalists just go with it and don't question shit anymore. So uh, just another example of these people looking out for you, even though they can't fact check a damn song. All right, wrapping it up. Uh, congratulations to Joe Burrow. Uh, three years in Cincinnati. Uh, he's been very successful. I mean, he's gotten him to a Super Bowl. He's gotten him to the AFC Championship twice. Uh, you know, he's got a bright future. But I think this, this stat alone, puts him uh, puts him in Canton. This this will get him into the Hall of Fame. He is now the most popular Cincinnatian, if that's a word. Uh, he's more popular now than Fiona the Hippo at the Cincinnati Zoo. I guess uh, Fiona's been uh, queen supreme of that uh, that uh, poll for the last few years. But uh, Joe Burrow, it only took three years of uh, playing pro football to dethrone a freaking hippo. Congrats, man. Uh, wear, wear that uh, fur coat proudly. Smoke that cigar. You kick that hippo's ass. All right, with that all said and done, I'm done. Till next time. If you've been listening to Mike Davidson live, be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at davidsonlives.